1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff and today Matt and Jero and I are going to be talking about mountain bike racing and we're going to be sharing basically tips for racing. So hopefully this will be helpful to people, whether you're considering your first race or you're signing up for your hundredth. Matt and Jero, what have you guys observed about winning racers that sets them apart from everybody else? Like the pros, but even the guys who like are winning their local race series, what, what makes them different?
2: That's a good question. I would say one thing I've noticed across the board is just that they um, are willing to dedicate more of their lives to racing into competition. Like they're going out doing intervals. Maybe they have a coach power meter depends on the kind of racing they're doing, but you know, they're, they're probably not going out on Friday and Saturday night. They're more so like getting, getting rest and getting ready for training or racing. So yeah, a lot of dedication involved.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's more of the competition. I mean, you, the competition that you see is what happens on race day, but really what you're competing against is like who has the most time to dedicate to their training and to be the most serious about it in some ways, I guess you're saying.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then even in the race, like when you're, for example, when I went to the EWS race uh, to cover it in finale last year, just seeing you know then sort of the the higher level of racing and the amount that folks are willing to suffer and the chances they're willing to take are not. Those aren't chances everyone's going to take, and that's that's how you get the contract, I guess.
1: Right, those people are risking a lot, especially in enduro. You're risking a lot, um, and then there's also it's also the pain factor. Have you done a lot of racing, Matt? What have you seen from the races you've been at or the races you've observed?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I always try and do a, a handful of races every summer and i would say the same thing i mean the guys and girls that are going out there you know I, I mean racing is a little different from riding and if you want to get good at racing you need to spend you need to spend a lot of time racing cuz it's it's almost a different skill set in itself and those people that are are winning are dedicating a lot more time to it they're not just going out on a or going out on a hour lunch ride and, you know, maybe a big weekend ride. They're riding every single day and working on their fitness every single day and keeping their diet dialed every single day. So it's, yeah, I mean, if if you want to get really good at it, you're going to have to spend a lot of time dedicated to it. And if you don't, that's fine too. Just spend however much time you think is reasonable for you.
1: Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, I've noticed at the races I've been to just looking around before the race, hour before the race, you can kind of tell who is serious and, and who is not. And those people that, that end up racing or winning the race, they're often the guys who are, you know, really, you can tell they have their system down. They got their trainer out. They're like warming up before it starts. Yeah. It takes a lot of dedication. It's not just like, Oh, the, no fair. Like they're just naturally gifted at this people that are winning races. That's part of it, but it is just all the other stuff. I mean, you can't, you can't leave anything undone if you're trying to win the race because they are all really competitive, even at the local level. At least that's what I've found.
0: Yeah. I remember this is, I think the first race I ever did is in in enduro up in Steamboat Springs. And I was in the amateur class and just kind of hanging out, trying to like shake off the nerves and stuff and not even the pros had started yet, but there's this one guy, long blonde hair, who's was just going down to the bottom of the fire road and sprinting back up to the top to warm up. And, you know, I was like, looking at, him, I was like, who is this dude? And ended up winning it. And, uh, is, is Cody Kelly. And actually at, at that time he was riding for Marin, but yeah, he was the only one out there just going to the bottom of the fire road and trying to sprint back up to, to keep his, his heart rate up high.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So for you guys, you know, none of us are pro racers. So how do you, how do you choose which races you want to enter? What is it that makes a race interesting or something that you want to try?
2: For me, I would say, I mean, I used to race every race I could find every race available and, uh, and try and show up pretty much every week. But now, uh, I don't know. I kind of want to spend some weekends just having fun on rides with friends. So I look for races that are on trails that seem interesting or in new places I haven't been to. Kind of mix it up, meet new people and
0: have a, a different experience that's not just about the competition.
1: Yeah. What about you, Matt?
0: Yeah, I would second that. I, mean, I think venue has a lot to do with it. For me, I if I'm newer to racing, like I want to go with a venue that is a little bit more comfortable that I'm a little bit more familiar with. So now, like we have some some races like in Golden. It's pretty cool because it's like it's trails that everybody rides all the time, every day. So it's really comfortable to go out and and race the trails that you already know. But then, yeah, sometimes too, it's like maybe it's some place you want to go. There's races all over the place, and they're easy to find these days. So it's like it's a destination you've never been to, then then maybe it's worth going to check out an Enduro or an XC race or something like that. Yeah. And like there's different types of races for every type of mountain biker. I mean, I think everybody knows that, but I mean, there's so many races to choose from. that It's, it's really pretty easy to find one that's, that's going to suit whatever you're into.
1: Yeah, I do I don't do a lot of racing myself and happen over the years of, you know, probably only done a few, but the ones that I end up choosing, I tend to try to find one that seems like a challenge. You know, I know I'm not going to win the race or even be really competitive, but I do want to compete against myself, I guess if if that makes sense. And I I like picking the bigger, harder races uh that if I finish them I'm going to feel good, right? Like I don't have to win to feel good. <laughs> so you know that means like if there's a hundred miler that was interesting to me at one time, so I took a lot of training and uh, ended up racing that. So yeah, for me it's it's all about the challenge and finding a new challenge, something I haven't done before too to sort of push myself. And then like you guys said, it really helps if if a race is in a cool place. And the thing I found too is that some races and events are run better than others and certain races get a reputation for just doing right by the athletes and like everybody has a good time. And so if a race has a reputation like that of like good food and good swag and like a cool, you know, vibe hanging out at the end, like that, that'll put me over the edge as well.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, for you, it's like going with a huge like distance race or something like that. Like the, just finishing it is kind of like the achievement and reward for you.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, think of Leadville or something. Most people I think that do that, they're not, not racing Leadville because they want to win it, but they are trying to prove to themselves that they can do it, that they can, you know, hang with some of the best athletes in the, in the world. So yeah, everybody's got different races.
2: For sure. And then sometimes you can do a race, a big race like that. And then the following year, see if you can make your time a little better, you know, essentially race against yourself. It's kind of another way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Assuming you don't hate it.
2: <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> Depends on how you remember that thing.
1: Yeah. So one of the tips I wanted to talk about early on here is sort of the pros and cons for signing up for a race in advance. So I know a lot of people like to procrastinate and there's actually, it's, it's actually not a good thing to do when you're signing up for a race, right?
0: No, you can definitely save some money the earlier you sign up. It seems like there's always discounts. There's probably always discounts to like signing up well in advance. And then you give yourself more preparation time also.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's just one less thing you have to think about on race day. You don't have to remember your license and all whatever paperwork and waivers you're supposed to show up with. It's all taken care of. I think the only real reason maybe not to do it is if it's at a time of the year where you get sick a lot, <laughs> you might not be able to show up. Yeah. Might just be a good donation to the organization in that case.
1: Right. Well, that's what I was thinking is maybe some people hold off to see if like the weather's going to be good or something. I mean, you would hate to sign up for a race and then it gets rained out or, or worse, the race still goes on in the rain and you just have a miserable time. But, but yeah, it seems like you're better off if you sign up in advance. And I find for me, it motivates me, right? Like if I put down my hundred dollars or whatever it is, I'm going to train for it. And I'm going to make sure that I'm there on race day and that that follow through. So for me, signing up is, is a big part of that and doing it earlier. Like you said, Matt gives you more time to train and it also gives you a chance to like let your friends know you're going and maybe get them to come along and that makes it more fun as well.
2: For sure. Yeah. And for some really popular races, there's also the issue of them selling out. So getting signed up early enough is going to help, you know, you're going to have to think about that or deal with it. Right. And occasionally races sell out the same day that the spots are open. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely something to look into.
1: I guess people too, maybe that put it off, are thinking that that something else might come up, you know, say a, a wedding or something comes up that you have to go to and you can't go to the race. That's a somewhat valid concern. A lot of races make it difficult for you to sell your number to somebody else or give it to somebody else, but they're starting to be better about that. I don't know what you guys have seen lately, but it seems like more and more races are having like official channels where you can sell your number to somebody else or donate it to them or whatever, but that's something to consider. Okay. So aside from general fitness and endurance training, are there things you can do to prepare specifically for racing your mountain bike? Matt, I think you mentioned that racing is is really different from just going out for a ride. So what are some of the things that people should do to get ready for that first mountain bike race or any race really?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, Like I went into my first race in like 2015 and I was like, oh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty quick on my local trails. I think I'll probably do pretty good. That's not the case at all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like definitely going out and training. Like for me, I think weightlifting is really important, especially for enduro races when you're likely to crash at some point. Mm. But I think group rides are really good too because it gets you used to riding it other people's paces if you're really only used to riding solo yeah and that's kind of your comfort zone it's going to be a lot more difficult to push yourself in the competition
2: yeah and additionally if you're able going and riding the course or the tracks whether it's a cross-country race or enduro just getting a chance to check it out and at least have an idea of how the trails are built even if you can't ride the exact trail over and over again yeah having an idea of the way that folks build in that part of the world can be really helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like what you said about doing group rides, Matt, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's probably something that, especially if it's going to be your first ride, first race, you're going to want to do that ride with a group of people who are faster than you and get used to that feeling of like trying to hold on to a group and that'll go a long way for sure. And, and also I'm like you too, you know, when I started out mountain biking, I probably probably, road for years and years. And as far as I knew, I was the fastest person out in my local trail. And, <laughs> right. know, like, oh, I pass yeah. people all the time and <laughs> you know, the people I ride with, you know, they're, they're not as fast as me, but then you show up to that first race and you're like, Whoa. And I don't know if it's, it's competition brings that out, you know, in some people, the adrenaline like gets people riding much faster than they would normally be able to, but it's, it's definitely an eye opener. So that mental training, like don't go into the first one thinking you're going to podium or anything like go into it, just thinking you're there to, to learn and to just see what it's like and then go from there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, set realistic expectations. I've had a few friends that have gone into their first races and have done really well, but I also think they went into it expecting to podium and instead, you know, they got like a top 20, which is still really good. But I mean, racing is one of those things that's like start racing and then in a a few years expect to be doing really well.
1: Yeah. One of the other sort of training related things uh, that I would recommend to people is to incorporate some sprint drills. And this is something that mountain bikers don't do a lot. I mean, a lot of people, particularly if you're doing a cross country race, you might think, Oh, I just need to get used to racing for a couple hours or riding around for a couple hours, build up endurance. But you really use sort of different muscles. Like when your adrenaline's pumping and you're trying to like catch up to somebody or pass somebody, you need to have those, like the ability to sprint. And so those drills are going to look a little different than your everyday ride. And I would recommend training for sprints at least a couple times a week. And you can look online to find out what that actually looks like and how you might do that. But I would recommend sprint practice. And then starting is also kind of an art form depending on your race format. There's, there's different types of starts as well. Um, I don't know, do you guys know, do do they still do the Le Mans start at mountain bike races? Many races use that anymore.
2: Yeah, there was actually a Le Mans start in a six hour I oh, don't know. It wasn't a six hour ride. That was my part of it. It was a 24 hour race I did last year Okay. in finale. We had to run a long ways. I can't remember what the distance was, but it was further than I had run all year. So it's definitely something to consider.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's one place to, I don't know, to get ahead of people. I mean, especially when you're racing on single track. I mean, if you never raced on mountain bikes, I remember before I had ever seen a race, you know, my biggest question was, how do you pass anybody? You know, you're riding single track. How, if you get behind somebody slow, there's no room to pass them. And so starts are really important for that reason. And the Le Mans start for those who aren't familiar, basically everybody sets their bike down on the ground, usually like in a big field. And then actually the starting line is, I don't know, a couple hundred yards away from the bikes. And when the gun goes off, you run, up to your bike and jump on and start going and that's meant to space out the field a little bit and so you know you're going to want to be at the front of the field if you're looking to be competitive so practice your running i guess (laughs) if that's not your strong suit so that you can get out front and don't have to worry too much about trying to pass people during the race
0: yeah i think actually 24 hours old pueblo uh used the little start that that was like a few weeks ago yeah, there's quite a few cyclocross races that still use it as well. Mostly
2: single speed, just kind of like joke start, watch everybody fall over each other and hop on their bikes. It's, it's pretty fun.
1: I, I did some research on it too, for this show, just to, just to refresh my memory about Le Mans starts. And it's interesting because it actually comes from motor car racing. I mean, this was like this, the Le Mans, like you've probably heard of the, you know, the auto race and like, the drivers would have to run and get into their cars. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to imagine how that would look for car racing. But, yeah, we still do it in mountain biking.
2: For sure. Another piece of starts is uh, figuring out if you're going to start on your bike, not a Le Mans, figuring out which leg you, you want to start with clipped in, if you have trouble clipping one or other foot in. So if you do some sprint starts for practice during the week, you can figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah. And start with the foot that's most difficult to clip in already clipped in. It's a good point. You know, and just figuring out little elements like that that can save you a few seconds or a huge cut on your shin.
1: Yeah, you mentioned this, Jero, I think in one of your articles recently about racing, uh, specifically about enduro. Because during an enduro race, you're going to have usually like three to five starts, right? Like each timed segment and so that adds up and in a lot of cases i think you were saying you if you're really good you can kind of start with a track stand right you're clipped in with both feet and as soon as your timer starts you can, you can put the gas on immediately right
2: yeah it's it sometimes depends on the organization running the race but here most of the time it's fine to start with a track stand uh, some folks will even if if you're underneath a tent at the start they'll even hang their hand from the, from the tent, which seems like cheating, but I don't know. I mean, if if the officials don't care, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's kind of a a wide variety of the way folks like to start, but the start in Enduro is super important because you're looking at, you know, a half a second or less between first through fifth place. Oh yeah. So a slipped pedals pretty important.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's awkward. I mean, it's, it sounds awkward, especially if people are trying to have have to hang on to the tent or whatever. And so, yeah, the more you can practice that, the less likely you're going to look like an idiot falling down at the starting line.
2: <laughs> for sure, yeah. If you can track stand, it's a it's a pretty valuable skill. And you can you know if anybody lives where it's snowy right now, there's always somebody's garage you can practice in.
1: Right. Yeah. Good point. Let's move on and talk about prepping the bike for a race. What do you guys do, or would you recommend that people do to get their bike in shape for racing?
0: Yeah, I think just like, I mean, general maintenance, if you're riding your bike that often before the race anyway, you're going to have an idea of how it's performing already. And if you need to do any maintenance, I always, before any race, I mean, like the thing I would check before anything else is to make sure there's enough tire sealant in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what like, basically like DNF me out of my first race was that well, and maybe I was running a Maxxis Ardent in an enduro race also, but <laughs> punctured and then I'd lost the tube already. I didn't have enough sealant in the tire to clog up the puncture. Sealant and tire choice, I think are pretty, pretty important, uh, no matter what kind of race you're doing, actually.
1: Yeah. And any kind of mechanical, whether it's a tire, you know, I mean, tires a relatively simple thing. If you're on the trail and you're just out for a ride, like get a flat, it's no big deal you can take care of it. But during a race, the time that it takes to do even a simple repair like that pretty much is going to knock you out of the competition.
2: Yeah. I like to go over most of my bike, throw it in the stand a few days before and kind of get an idea of what's going on with everything. Check and make sure uh, most things are tight, at least with a, give them a good hand wiggle. In addition to checking the latex, which is a really good, good thing to remember, uh, check the brake pads. Uh, Check all the bearings, make sure you're not going to blow a bearing in the race. I mean, it seems extreme, but it's definitely happened.
1: Yeah, because you're pushing your bike a lot harder during a race oftentimes than you would during a normal ride. So even if something's fine during your training, you're going to make sure that it is super dialed and in good working order.
2: Yeah, if there's something that's been creaking and making noise, absolutely. I would agree. Just take it apart and sort it out or take it to your local bike shop and have them sort it out for you.
1: What about modifications to the bike? I mean, there are a lot of products on the market. I guess I'm thinking primarily of tires, you know, there are like race weight tires that are going to be lighter and maybe they're going to be grippier, which, you know, means that they're going to wear down more quickly. So you wouldn't want to Mm. use them for everyday riding, but, uh, they, they are good for racing. Are there other things like that, like tires that you might modify your bike with for racing?
0: Like EDC kit and all the stash holes and stuff. Those are are pretty sweet to have. I mean, I like to put as much on the bike as possible as I can because if I'm wearing a pack, I just don't feel as athletic or agile.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So ditch the hydration pack. I remember uh, I did. It was one of my first races. Was like a a 50 K or a 60 K. I don't know. I, th- I feel like it was about 50 miles. And for the race, I just wore my regular camelback, which happened to be like the biggest camelback that they make. And <laughs> everybody that was passing me during the race was like, Whoa, like that's a big pack. And I was like, what?
2: Did you bring my lunch? Yeah. I
1: was <laughs> like, I don't know. This is a long ride guys. Like, yeah, I want to make sure I'm prepared.
2: Sweet. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. I would say I also, for some races, uh, I guess, particular to enduro, I'll raise my handlebars up if it's a lot steeper. Mm. Um, I might go up in tire pressure a bit if it's rockier, and potentially change my suspension a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I like to ride my bike every day the way I'm going to race it, so it's not like a an awkward surprise on race day. Like, oh, I didn't know it was going to react like that. So,
1: right, interesting.
2: Keep
0: it comfortable. Exactly.
1: Well, do either of you guys have? I mean, I know the answer to this, but for our listeners, I mean, you don't have like a dedicated race bike, right? Like nobody needs a dedicated race bike.
0: Oh yeah. I've got, I've got one, you know, my one $8,000 bike that I break out for special occasions. Uh, no, no, that's, I think that's a move for folks who get
2: bikes for free.
1: Right. And even those athletes, I mean, I don't know that that'll be an interesting one. The next time we do an athlete interview to ask them about, how they do that. Cause yeah, I, I mean, I imagine they could, if they wanted to, they could have a special bike that's mostly for racing and then they train on a different one. That's maybe the same model or whatever, but I bet even for a lot of them, like you said, Drew, they like to be comfortable with the bike and know like what's going on with it, what needs to be replaced and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. They try to have you know folks that have two bikes they have them set up exactly the same so one has everything it's all the mechanics gone through it it's ready to go it's ready to race but the setup's the same
1: yeah and i mean there's definitely something to be said for having a backup depending on the race format and if you're allowed to do that and and even if even if you're you're an amateur like we are it's always good to have a second bike so that if day before the race something major is wrong with your bike You know, you're going to have something to fall back on that's maybe not ideal, but at least you can still participate. What about things to remove from your bike? We talked about the camelback. And I don't know, for me, whenever I, you know, we get a lot of review bikes in and I tend to like customize the bike a little bit, you know, put all my accessories on it that I like to have. And then when I'm sending the bikes back, I start taking everything off and I'm like, holy cow, I put a lot of stuff on this bike. Are there things... Like that, you know, like a bell and lights and all kinds of stuff. I mean, obviously you don't, don't need lights for most races. So I don't know. I tend to like to try to cut weight wherever I can on the bike and on my person. Other things like that, that you guys can think of that maybe you would take off the bike before a race.
2: I've definitely taken my dropper posts off my cross country bike oh. for certain races where there just wasn't enough descending to make it worth carrying the extra pound. Yeah, it's a good one. I think that might
1: be the only one though. Yeah. Interesting. Another prep tip that I'd gotten from observing people at races is that it's a good idea to start with a clean bike, especially if it's going to be like a muddy race. And not only that, you know, I've seen people spraying down their bikes with like cooking oil so that dirt and stuff doesn't stick to the frame and the get all cruddy in there. So yeah, starting with a clean bike and plus you want to look good on race day. Like you want to want people to be like, Whoa, that guy's got his stuff together.
2: Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't hurt to look the part.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So what about other gear? Like all the other junk that you're going to need on race day? How do you guys like get organized and make sure you don't forget anything? And, and what are some of the like special things that you make sure you have on race day?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I guess that's like uh I think one of the questions is do you do a lot of race day prep? But I yeah, I mean I guess that would fall into it is just making sure that you have your regular tools, an extra tube, a uh, patch kit, tire plugs, a pump, snacks, water, and then knowing like the you should definitely like whenever you can go to the racers meeting because then they're going to tell you when uh, and where the aid stations are and then you can sort of plan like okay, is my one liter water bottle enough to get me from, uh, one aid station to the next. And on top of that, uh, there are races that run out of food and water as well. So it's like, yeah, you might, uh, you might, might want to bring more than you need.
1: Yeah. That's a really delicate balance I've found. Um, trying to, you know, if, on the one hand, it, if you can rely on the race supplies for water and nutrition, that's going to save you weight. And I think somebody mentioned it at the start, you know, the people who are winning these races, the thing that sets them apart. One of the things is that they're able to take risks or they're willing to take risks that maybe other people aren't. And one of those risks is, yeah, maybe there's not going to be water. Do you want to, do you want to carry around a bunch of water and be safe? Or do you want to like, just cross your fingers and hope there is going to be water. So you don't have to carry it and you'll be faster.
2: Yeah. It always seems worth it to bring a little bit extra of everything you can always decide at the car before the race to leave it. But I like to bring, you know, at least like some emergency gel or some calories
0: mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: um, in the race for myself and anybody else who might need them. They don't really weigh anything. Yeah. So calories can be, I, that's been the one thing that um, has always been worth carrying on the bike no matter what kind of race it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you're going, be, you're going to be at your car usually at the start of the race. Um, and so I'm with you guys, you know, just bring everything in your car and then you can kind of see how you're feeling on race day about like, what do you need? I mean, there's always stuff that you didn't think about or consider. And so, yeah, it's always just better to have extra stuff and then decide sort of the last minute, like what you're comfortable with, because you hate to be there and be like, oh, shoot, you know, I really wish I could, you know, throw another goo in my pack or whatever. Just bring, bring like 20 of them in your car.
0: Yeah. And especially if you're, you're newer to racing, it also means you're probably going to be slower, which means you're going to get to those raids or the aid stations after everybody else, Oh right. which means there's more of a chance that you're going to miss out on, on snacks and water. Or if there are uh, snacks left, then you're going to have the the crummy flavors that you know, don't taste good.
1: Yeah. The ones that hurt people's tummies and they're like, Nope, I'm no thanks. And then you're stuck with them. Yep.
0: Tastes like sweetened gravel.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's one of the things too, that I've heard from a lot of people about nutrition, especially is to make sure that you're, you know, beforehand, like what works well for you when you're really pushing yourself, like what, some things might upset your stomach or, you know, just might taste really bad. So you definitely wanna work that out before the race and figure out what kind of nutrition you want. And the same goes for everything, you know, getting back to prepping your bike. You don't wanna you don't wanna put like a brand new wheel set on your bike the night before the race or, or even the week before. I mean, you wanna have time to get to know all the parts on your bike. You don't wanna change a lot right ahead of, of the race. And that goes for nutrition, hydration, all that stuff. You want to be, you want to know what you're doing before you get there.
2: Yeah. One last calorie concern, any race that I'm going to, I make a huge bowl of pasta mm-hmm. so that I have something to eat as soon as I want it, as soon as I'm ready after the race. And I don't have to wait for whatever festivities are going to happen. I can just have food that I know my stomach can deal with Yeah. and start to refuel right afterward.
1: Yeah. That's a great tip. But I saw you wrote that in a recent story and th- that's one I'm going to use for sure. Having real food, even before the race, I think it could be good. It, it, it's hard to know how you're going to be feeling just before the race. You know, there's nerves and everything else, but yeah, just again, having options is good. You know, you'd rather have more stuff than less Yeah, at least at your pit area. Yep. All right. So let's move on to clothing. What are some of the considerations you make for clothing when you're racing? And how is that different from if you're just going out for a regular mountain bike ride?
0: I mean, I always pull out my favorite, nicest jersey and pair of shorts, my Sunday's best. <laughs> Cause it's, it's probably like the most comfortable thing to wear. And, you know, if there's photographers,
1: I want to look good. So. Yeah. <laughs> we talking Lycra here, Matt?
0: Yes, lots of lycra, especially at the enduros. Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, like it depends. Like there, there's still a lot of people wearing lycra at XC races. I did my first XC race last year, and there was actually still a lot of people wearing baggies, also like slim baggies. But yeah, it seems like whatever you're really comfortable with.
1: I mean, is is being like aerodynamic? Is that a real consideration for mountain bike races?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at pro downhillers and the kits that they're wearing right now. They're like the slimmest baggies you can get. Yeah. Yeah. They're super tight. I think the real
2: one real advantage of wearing Lycra is more so that it cools you off. You know, like you're just not, you don't have all those layers. You don't have like bibs and shorts on and all the extra stuff. So it's can cool off a little quicker.
1: Yeah. I mean, one piece of advice that I've heard, probably everybody's heard this at one point is you want to kind of be cold at the start. You don't want to overdress because as soon as you start going, yeah. you're going to warm up quick and faster than you do on your normal ride. Cause you're going to be really, you're going to be pushing at your limit. So you want to definitely want to underdress for how you're feeling before the race starts.
2: Definitely. And then for uh enduro racing, you also have a bunch of protection to remember. Yeah. For our local races, there's one coming up shortly here. We have to have a back protector, knee pads, and a full face helmet uh, and gloves. Wow. Um, and you have to wear the, all of that stuff the whole time. And if you forget any of it, you don't get a race. Wow. So making sure to get all of that packed and put in the car not left in the garage or, or whatever happens, uh, is important. There's a, you know, there's a few steps to miss there. So I try and just get it back like three or four days before. Yeah. Give myself time to remember and forget a couple of times.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like all this stuff, the gear, you know, your bike, your gear, your clothing, your nutrition, it all comes down to just being organized. And again, like if you're not organized, then just bring too much so that you'll have it there in case you do forget it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about race day routines and some of the smart things we've seen other racers do. Stay tuned. You can't see me, but I'm wearing an awesome tracks hat right now. It's actually the reason my voice sounds so amazing. Okay, so maybe not, but you never know until you get a hat for yourself. Go to shop.singletracks.com to find Singletracks hats, t-shirts, stickers, tubular headwear, and can coolers. Shipping is free within the USA, and your purchase helps support the Singletracks podcast. That's shop.singletracks.com, and thank you for your support. And we're back. Okay, so let's talk specifics here. Jero, do you have like a race day routine you like to use that's kind of consistent from race to race?
2: Yeah, I also have some things that I sort of use to cover up my own faults. I'm I'm not great with logistics, so... Once I have everything packed a few days before, I just put it in the car and don't use it again. And then another logistical piece is I try to read everything I'm going to need to know about the race and get signed up as soon as I get there, get my number and timing chip and everything taken care of and just making sure to get those things dialed so I don't have to rush at the last minute.
1: Yeah. Are you the kind of person who will get to the venue or the the start line like... An hour ahead of time or two hours or four hours?
2: I would say maybe a, maybe a half hour, but yeah, definitely my first few races back in Oregon, I would be, I would be real early, just nervous to be, to, you know, to miss something or I forgot my shoes or whatever the thing is, need to go back to the car. So.
1: Yeah. I I was that way too. And I finally just decided, yeah, that, that whole time, no matter how early you get there, you're going to be nervous the entire time. And so, I try to like limit my stress by getting there on time. To put it that way.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Matt, what about you? Do you have like, do you have a literal checklist? I know you're you're in the military, like me. So do you have like a, <laughs> you have like a checklist for every race? To make sure you're dialed.
0: Like definitely in my in my mind, like there's certain stuff that I want to do. Like with bike maintenance, I'll make sure that there's fresh lube on the chain and tire pressure is where I want it. And but I mean, as far as like other things, like I always try to eat like the same meal every night before I start a race, which I guess I don't know. Maybe it's a little weird, but maybe it's not that weird.
1: No, uh, yeah, a lot of people do that. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that seems smart. I usually do like fish and pasta, something I know like my stomach's gonna digest easily. And I don't know. I like salmon cause it's got all these fatty acids. And I feel like that kind of helps my brain function the next day also.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's right. The mental part of racing is key.
0: And in the morning of, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we've already, already kind of covered this, but you know, if, if you wake up every single day and have like a breakfast burrito and coffee and a donut for, uh, for breakfast then on race day, you want to wake up and eat Coffee and a donut and a breakfast burrito. Also, like you want to eat the same thing that you've been eating the whole time and not really surprise your stomach or anything like that.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: for sure. Race day is not the change stuff. Yeah.
1: Yep. I I tend to mess that up and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna eat healthy this morning. Before I'm gonna eat a banana. Never eat a banana like on any normal day. But if it's a race day, I'm gonna eat a banana. That's just probably dumb. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) what are some of the smart things you guys have seen other racers do? We started off asking about like what sets apart, you know, winning racers from everybody else. But what do you see from like smart racers, the people who, you know, either like they seem to be having more fun than everybody else, or maybe they are doing better, you know, they're the ones on the podium. But what are like some smart things you've seen and adopted into your own sort of race? preparation and uh strategy
2: i feel like i see a lot of folks kind of taking solo time before the race and just like getting getting their head in the right space and maybe they're thinking about the track i'm not really sure because they're not out talking to everybody else and Mm -hmm. goofing around they're kind of like they seem to be really focused and just trying to
0: get in the space that they need to be to compete. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've like a lot of times, especially at Enduros, I see the exact opposite where, um, and this like really helps me too. Cause most of I'm nervous. And so like, especially like in the amateur group or whatever, a lot of, a lot of people kind of chatting like, Hey dude, or like, did you ride like uh stage three? Like, it's pretty gnarly. Like I'm a little scared about that one. And, uh, it seems like that kind of chatter, like, you know, makes everybody a little bit more relatable and, you can kind of get on the same page with everybody like everybody's pretty much nervous there too. And it makes it a little, a little bit more comfortable.
1: Yeah. Interesting. What about, I know one of the tips, maybe I've seen this from pro racers, but in enduro specifically when you're able to pre-ride the course, some, you know, there's different rules at each one. It seems like some of them now the rule is you can only pre-ride the course like one time. And so I've heard that people will, they'll wear their GoPro down the race run. And then night before the race, they're like reviewing that video, like watching it over and over. Is that something that either of you've adopted or considered doing for enduro racing?
2: Yeah, we do that here. Even in the amateur category, we're only allowed to ride the course once, you know, always, but, um, so you'll see your time to pre-ride is specific, just like your race time. And yeah, you want to you want to be able to get a second look at it if you can. Maybe walk the track after you ride it to get a better idea of what the line what line would have been better than the one you took. Yeah. And then really get a chance to think about all that stuff. Where was that weird left turn that just dropped off out of nowhere and how do I make that work tomorrow? So it can can be super helpful to look at a GoPro if you have one available.
0: Yeah, it's it seems like a pretty good resource. Yeah, especially if you're like traveling somewhere to do the race and you've only ridden it, you know, maybe never before and you only get a chance to ride it like a day ahead of the race and you're like, okay, I do not know this track at all. Yeah, definitely a good idea.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the, you know, especially if it's like a backcountry style enduro, there may not be a lot of course marking out there, and so it definitely helps. And even if they're like, oh, we gave you the GPS Track, you know, just load up your GPS. You don't want to be looking at a GPS while you're trying to race. It's not a good idea, (laughs)
2: right? For sure. I would recommend too that folks who are who are really enjoying races, racing enduro, or you can also do this in cross country. But I think in cross country, it's a little more normal to try on site racing. Like just show up, Hmm. don't ride the tracks first. I know that that might sound dangerous, and if you try to ride them. Like you knew them, it probably would be. <laughs> but it's an interesting experience to try and ride as fast as you can on a track you don't know at all that you've never seen yeah. before. It's it's kind of cool.
1: Hmm. I imagine if you're doing it right, you may be faster in that you're not like strategizing and trying to conserve your energy for. Oh, there's that big hill, you know, at mile three, and so I really want to take it easy the first couple miles. Yeah. If you have no idea what's coming up, you're going to be just trying to go as fast as you can and just tackle what's in front of you. So that's interesting.
0: I've heard from a lot of people that like, they almost prefer racing blind versus pre-riding, um, some
1: of the courses. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, that's a, it's a mental thing too, I guess, getting out of your head and having more knowledge actually can trip you up sometimes.
2: Yeah. If you haven't seen the track, you don't have to think about, all right, corner three drops off to the left and then there's a tree. I got to try and not hit it. Then there's these roots. You you just, you don't have all that information to mess up your head.
1: Hmm, Cool. Well, what are some of the biggest mistakes you guys have made yourselves or maybe observed in mountain bike racing?
2: I'll start with, and there's been a lot. I've been racing for a while there was a race one time. I tore my tire like as I was riding over to the start. Oh no! So I'm, yeah, I missed my start by maybe. It was in the earlier days of tubeless tires, and it really the tire, the sidewall was just too thin and didn't didn't work out. So Dang. I missed my start while I was putting a tube in it, and then I flatted that tube, and it was just a really messy.
1: Oh no! It's
2: a messy setup. And then one day, I for some reason I got the idea that I needed to eat more fat before races. Hmm. I was doing some really long cross country races and I had read that that was going to be helpful, but I didn't read about when I should do it or any of the other important details. So I ate a whole avocado before a race <laughs> Wow! and that, Oh, my stomach was not happy with that decision at all. It was painful.
1: How about you, Matt?
0: Yeah. I think going, going back to tires, like, uh, that was my big mistake. in my first enduro race was like, yeah, like I said, one running, uh, a trailer XC tire in an enduro race and then not not having enough sealant and then improperly strapping my extra tube to my frame, which I lost like during a crash. And then it's like, you know, I, I kept going, but then I got a puncture and there's like nothing I could do about it. And to get a DNF for something like that, it sucks. Yeah. Water, I remember like, uh, I guess this was almost two years ago when I did one of the local races here. And there's like this huge fire road climb. It's like, I don't know maybe three quarters of a mile, at like 15 to 17% grade. And I was like, I'm going to dump some water here to save weight and maybe power up this thing. And then, so I did, made it to the top. And then, you know, I was just thinking I would get to the next aid station and, and pick up some more water. But by that time they're out of water, <laughs> I still had like, I don't know, five or six miles to go with like no water.
1: Oh, geez.
0: That's rough. I think those were my, my two big ones.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed kind of ties back to the, you know, prepping your bike and your gear during this hundred mile race that I did within the first two miles or so, you know, we hit this single track section and I was probably mid pack at that point. And I, I lost count of how many like tool wraps and tubes and pumps and all kinds of stuff, water bottles I saw on the trail. And it was People who just lost their gear, like as soon as they hit the single track, stuff just fell off their bike or fell out of their pack or wherever they were carrying it. And so that was a big lesson to me that you really need to shake down your gear and and properly, like not just kind of bounce the tires in the parking lot, but like, make sure if you're duct taping your tube to your frame that like it's actually going to hold because you don't want to lose that stuff. And just seeing it lost like immediately just goes to show that it was not on there tight and you would have figured that out if you'd, I don't know, tried it out a little bit more.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that goes back to a little bit like riding your race bike the way you're going to race it. Have it all set up and ready and just ride it that way all the time if you can.
1: Yeah. And maybe that's, that's a good tip. If you're just a spectator, just go walk the trail. Like after the main field goes through, just walk the trail like a mile and you get a whole new toolkit. You get extra tubes and whatever you need. You
0: can open a bike shop.
1: Yep. That's a good way to start a bike shop. Good point.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like treating your, treating your body. Like you're not going to surprise your body with anything on race day. So why run your bike differently than you've ever done before on race day?
1: Yeah. Another one that seems to trip people up and, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with this, but just from what I've observed, it seems like, I mean, all of us, I think struggle with pacing and the way I've seen this play out is like at the end of a race, you'll see people like really sprinting for the line and and they seem to have like too much energy. I guess that's, that's how I like, I'm, I'm always just spent at the finish line. I have like this, look of death on my face. And like, I don't want to talk to anybody after the race. I just want to like lay down on the ground because I'm spent. But then I see other people that are like, somehow they just get this burst of energy at the end. Maybe it's adrenaline. Maybe I, I'm I just jealous of them, but secretly I'm like, they did not go fast enough during the race. If they're able to do this.
2: Yeah. I think that's probably true. They could have, they could have burned that earlier. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Who knows? But maybe it's, maybe I'm just not like digging down deep enough at the end there and that's something I can work on. So yeah, it's hard to know.
0: Yeah. I think that is a tough thing to figure out though. Um, like really, really tough in something that might just like take a few years also. It's just to figure out like your proper pace and how you feel during each stage or throughout the course or yeah. And then like, again, if you don't get to pre-ride the course, like you don't know exactly where you should and shouldn't push yourself either. So yeah, I think that can be a long, long game to figure out as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Listening to your body. I I know plenty of friends as well who have a hard time, like as soon as the gun goes off, like they want to be, they're competitive. And so they're like, I need to be right up here at the front and like, keep these guys in my sight. But you got to be aware enough to you know, listen to your body and be like, hold on, like, there's no way I can keep this pace up, you know? Um, so you don't blow up and just, yeah. Pacing that's, it's super tough for sure.
0: Well, yeah. Drew, that was like one of the key points in that, uh, story you did with the Enduro paramedic is that like a lot of the guys that get injured are just going all out in the first stage and wreck themselves like completely.
2: Yeah, well, they've still got the idea that they can win. That just, yeah, giving it everything, and uh, they're not thinking about pacing yet. Not thinking about the long game, I guess.
1: Interesting, but yeah, it's you're not going to get it from listening to this podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're gonna you're gonna have to you have to enter a bunch of races and screw up, and talk to other people and hear about how they screwed up, and eventually you'll figure it out.
2: Yeah. And it goes back a little bit to what racing is for different individuals too, because there's some folks that go to races that are pretty legit competitions and they're there just to have fun. Yeah. So they're going to get to the end and smile and bounce around and <laughs> laugh at Jeff while he lays on the ground. and That's, you know, they're going to be fine with that. They don't, they don't care that they didn't leave it all on the trail. So
1: yeah, that's what I was going to ask like how, what are some other things that people can do to make racing more fun? You know, it doesn't have to be a grueling suffer fest every time. Right.
0: No, no. And and yeah, I I think again, just being friendly, talking with competition. Like I know when I bike in an enduro, for example, I'm pretty gassed at like the end of stages too. And if the guy behind me comes up and finishes and he's chilling there for a second, maybe throw him a high five and like, dude, like nice job. And yeah, that was really tough. I don't know. That, that always makes it a little bit more fun. It's not, not like, even if you do go to the race alone, like you're not really alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that community element is huge.
2: I think it's, I know that it's what has kept me racing. I mean, I'm not fast enough to, you know, worry about, okay, I'm finally gonna, you know, go win a bunch of races this year. Like, that's not the point for me. I really like meeting all the new people, making friends and you know, learning new trails and just hanging out with folks. So that, that community element makes it a lot of fun for me.
1: Yeah. One of the things I would recommend is if, if you're someone who wants to do a race more for fun than to compete, I mean, I think it comes back to that race selection that we talked about in the beginning and certain races are known for being really competitive and serious. And then other races are known for being more fun. You know, you look at like the Transylvania epic, And, uh, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Transylvania epic stage race. And, you know, they're known as single track summer camp and basically it is a race. It's a race. They time it and you know, there's going to be a winner, but at the end of the day, most people are there because they just want to hang out with a bunch of other cool people for a week and ride a bunch of different trails. And the racing is kind of, it's kind of an afterthought. And so I think that's important is understanding like why are you doing this are you doing it for fun if so pick a fun race don't pick one that's gonna suck and like nobody's gonna talk to you because they're all like laser focused on on making it to the podium
2: totally yeah there's a lot of variety in races and there's a lot of races that are more of a party than not
1: yeah and matt you know what you said about like just being nice to other people during the race and like giving people high fives and stuff. I think that goes a long way. You know, you, the energy definitely depends on like kind of your attitude going into it. And one of my favorite videos uh, that we posted was from one of our freelancers, Colton. He did the Leadville 100 a few years back. And if you haven't seen the video, you should look it up on YouTube. I think, I think he titled it surprise you're racing Leadville. And basically what happened was, yeah, we somehow got a Leadville entry and it was just a couple of weeks before the race. And we said, Hey, Colton, you want to, you want to do Leadville? And he was like, okay. And <laughs> so, yeah, you watch this video and he's just like high-fiving people the whole way. He's chatting them up. Like, you know, if, if you didn't know this was Leadville, you'd be like, wow, he's just like out for a, a little ride, but this was a serious race and he made it look like a lot of fun. So it can be done.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So finally, you guys have any safety tips when it comes to racing? Jero, I know you uh, have done a couple interviews with the folks from Backcountry Lifeline. What are some of the things that people need to consider and and are there things they can do to be safer during the race?
2: Yeah, I mean, knowing uh, where the emergency personnel are going to be and who they are and paying attention to what they need from you. If you get hurt or if somebody else gets hurt, like if you pass a rider who's down, what are you supposed to do? Usually stop and help them tell the next person that comes by to go let the next official know so they can get a medic out there. Yeah. So that's kind of the procedural level of the thing. And then just racing within your means As much as you can. I mean, we're all going to push ourselves harder than we would on a normal ride for sure. And we're going to push the limits. That's part of the deal and part of why some of us are there. But you got to be smart about it. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, that's it goes back to the pacing thing. It's the same thing. Like, how do you know when you're taking too much risk or you're not risking enough? And it is a fine line. And if you pick the wrong side of the line, you could get hurt. And Uh, There are things you can do, I think too, in terms of prep beforehand, you know, if there is a pre-ride available for safety reasons, I I say, take it, you know, especially if it is an enduro, it's better to know what you're going to be coming up on than to just ride it blind. And I mean, again, there are some pros and cons, but if, if safety is your concern, then I would highly recommend pre-riding a course.
0: Yeah, definitely, and then at that point you can ride the B line to see if you know there are A lines that you're not going to take. You can at least get familiar with the mm-hmm. the B line and for sure make it as safe and as safe and as fast as as possible for you.
1: Yeah, and then as far as the gear, I mean, Jerome mentioned that a lot of races have requirements in terms of what you need to wear, and those requirements are increasingly strict. I guess maybe is the word you know. If you're in a cross-country race, of course, they're going to require a helmet. But then as you go up to enduro, maybe there's going to be different padding requirements. And again, this one this one's hard, too, because you want to balance being comfortable and you know being able to move around well on the bike and also being safe. And again, it's up to everybody to figure out that balance between being safe and being comfortable and fast during a race.
2: And I think if you're a person who... Uh, one other one other way to keep yourself safe if you're a person who you tend to like your your mind tends to drift even when you're doing something scary and when you're riding something that works really well for me is just to have a mantra to focus on the whole time. ooh so I just say to myself, especially in an enduro, I just repeat over and over again, "Look up fiercely, I just keep saying that over and over and over again so that I can't think about anything else.
1: yeah, I thought it was going to be don't crash, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash. <laughs>
2: That's probably what actually is happening, but <laughs> that would be right, mine. <laughs> what I think I say is different, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just having something to focus on. So you're not like, Oh yeah, this thing's happening at work. Oh, a tree. Right. You know, just, uh, right. Keep everything in the direction you want it to go.
1: Right on. Well, cool. This has been a fun discussion and hopefully it's been helpful to people who are in the racing scene or maybe you're thinking about trying it out. Of course, there are a ton of articles on single tracks about race preparation, athlete interviews, all kinds of resources like that that you can use to get up to speed. Because like we said, it's a big topic and it's one of those things that even if you've been studying it and doing it for years, you know, there's always more to learn. So definitely check out single tracks for that. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.